Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's message was given by First Pres Interim Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Tassie Green. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from Exodus chapter 13, verse 17 through chapter 14, verse 4 which you will find in the Old Testament section of our Pew Bibles on page 11 or on screen. First, please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, by your word read and proclaimed today, guide us, soften us where needed, reform us in the image of your Son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The map that we were looking at uh, projected on the screen behind, it shows one possible route that the Israelites took when fleeing Egypt. It comes from research uh, gathered by director Tim Mahoney for his fascinating 2020 movie, Exploring the Exodus, called Patterns of Evidence, The Red Sea Miracle. Now let's listen to God's word to learn how God guided God's people in surprising ways. Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer. For God thought, if the people face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people by the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of the land of Egypt, prepared for battle. And Moses took with him the bones of Joseph, who had required a solemn oath of the Israelites, saying, God will surely take notice of you, and then you must carry my bones with you from here. They set out from Sukkoth, and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pahirath, between Magdal and the sea in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall camp opposite it by the sea. Pharaoh will say of the Israelites, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has closed in on them. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them so that I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I had a college friend named Nathan who was a Baptist missionary from Columbia, or rather the son of missionary parents. And when he came to school in Chicago area, He was known across campus because he rarely wore shoes. He just had never gotten used to them, didn't like them. That could be a problem in Chicago, especially in the winter. 
He adapted for one month or two months a year. Now imagine my surprise when many years later I was looking at pictures of an international mission trip from University Presbyterian to Albania, and there was Nathan. He was an Orthodox priest serving communion to the group. My mind was boggled. How did Nathan get from Colombia to Chicago to Albania? And did he wear shoes? I looked more closely and yep. So at a college reunion, I asked him, how did all that happen? And he said, well, the shoes, I grew up. I had to wear shoes. Second, the rest, that was God. God called me. God called me every step along the way, just as God calls us. Speaker Tim Hansel says, we serve a notoriously unpredictable God. God can call us to follow God in a life of adventurous faith. So we've heard the next chapter of adventurous faith in our reading today. God is helping the Israelites move towards his goal. God wants them to be God's free people who freely choose to love and serve God in a new land. And they have a long distance to travel, not only with their feet, but with their mindsets as well, with their hearts. God's divine deliverance is another step along the way. In today's passage, we get another clue along with the Israelites that this is not going to be the journey they expected. God will lead them in new ways, telling them when to stop and when to go. So today we look at what these scriptures also tell us about how we can find God and God's guidance when we feel we are in a wilderness time. We'll look at several things. The wilderness is a good place to encounter God. Our God wants to lead us. When God guides us, we begin to see God where we least expect. And God doesn't always or even usually lead how or where we expect God to lead. So let's check this out. The wilderness is a good place to encounter God. Have you discovered this? Now, I love to encounter God. I love nature. I just don't like all the critters that come with it. On camping trips with my husband, who I've learned now after 30 years is a good salesman, he rarely mentions the critters, the armadillos at Walt Disney World or the rattlesnakes or Eastern Washington. One time we were headed to South Carolina and I asked him about gators and he said, oh no, there's none there. They stop at the state line. <laughs> and I believed him. That tells you, I don't know, more about him or me. He's a really good salesman. So I don't like the critters that you will find in the wilderness. I'm not headed to Australia anytime soon after seeing the giant spiders and toads that they have there, which could be like one of the plagues. Not so sure about the outback. So why does God keep leading us and the Israelites into wilderness times? Well, I think that God likes to lead us out of our comfort zones. Have you experienced this? In a place where we have no expectations, we pay more attention when life as usual is stripped away from us. The Israelites certainly did. 
And we can too, unless we're too fixated on our screens to notice what's going around us. And that happens sometimes too. The wilderness is a great place for God to get us moving forward, to encounter God. We need to discover and follow God's path in this place and this time of transition as a church where none of us know exactly what God will call us to do next, where to refocus, where to stop some things, where to start new things, how to find our and clarify the church's mission moving forward. We are in the wilderness, it can feel like, But here is a place where we can and will encounter God anew. When God guides us, we begin to see God where we least expect because our good God wants to lead us. God promises to lead us as a matter of fact. You see it throughout scripture. Jeremiah 29, 13, which is one of my life verses, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When we seek, our good God can lead us. God can be found by us. Sometimes, even when we're not seeking. Ruth Haley Barton, who's a local author and leader of the Transforming Center, writes this in her book, Pursuing God's Will Together. The spiritual journey is the movement from seeing God nowhere or seeing God only where we expect to see God to seeing God everywhere, especially where we least expect God. So when God guides us, we begin to see God where we least expect. Psalm 119 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge God and God will direct your paths. That's what we're hoping for, right? But it takes that first movement of leaning not on our own understanding. It's hard for us to do. Now there's a Princeton philosopher, Walter Kaufman. He coined a word that I really like. It's called decidophobia. It's where we're afraid of making decisions. We hate to be wrong. In fact, a whole day of making decisions or exerting our willpower actually wears us out. Why? Because we're afraid of making the wrong choice. So wait staff at restaurants are now trained to respond to customers' orders for what they will eat with words like brilliant, perfect, excellent decision. Why? Because diners are afraid of choosing even the wrong thing for lunch. Managers give their wait staff a list of affirmation words to say in response to your order. So our wait staff are now therapists for us. It's very helpful. Now God wants to help us make good decisions and to get over our decidophobia. We might not hear those affirmation words from the clouds, but God promises to help us as we pray. Romans 10.8 promises this, but what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That second part, verse nine, is one of my favorite verses to teach to families. We can find assurance, but not only that, 
God promises that God's word will be near us. And as we seek God together at a church, as a church, our good God wants to lead each of us individually and together closely. So this is what we're gonna do, an experiment that I've tried at other churches. I call it turn and buzz, because we'll buzz together in our conversations. Turn to someone near you and ask, when have you experienced decidophobia? And feel free to get up and move so you can talk to someone near you or turn around in the pew. We've got about three minutes, so just briefly say hello. And when have you experienced decidophobia? Okay. I love to hear your conversations. And I hope now that you've met somebody new or that you can continue the conversations after the service. I love to see from our families up in the balcony to our folks all around that we're talking with one another, even in worship. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about my years of college ministry when students would come to me and say, how will I know? How will I know what to use for a major or what kind of job to seek or even a life partner? How do I know what's the right decision? And I would say, well, first, God is not a cosmic vending machine where you can put in your quarter and out pops your spiritual answer. Not a bellhop where you follow him to the right room and then give him a tip. But God does not stand in a corner and snicker when we earnestly ask God to help us. God wants to guide us. There are no tricks here. God does not say, ha ha, watch this, I'm gonna lead her the wrong way. That's not how our good God is. When we ask for guidance, God gives it, but not always on the time frame or the way we expect. And God's answers, as you've probably heard, can sometimes be yes or no, or wait some more. It's, we're not ready yet for you to know. God wants to lead us just as God did lead the Israelites. It's not as obvious as a cloud by day or a pillar of fire by night, and maybe we'd wish it was, although if it was here, it might be terrifying. Think about that. As we would flip through the pages of scripture together with students, I would show them how time and time again God promises to lead us. Because when God guides us, we begin to see God where we least expect. So how does this translate to us? Some people say, well, not the God of the Old Testament. God doesn't work the same way. Well, now we have God dwelling in us through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit which is why that Romans passage said that the word is near us in our hearts. And Colossians 1.27 says, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We all need hope, we all want hope. So what is Christ in us? The hope of glory. That's great news. That's no small promise that Jesus makes. Even when we don't feel brave or ready, God can lead us. Even if we're not totally willing, but it helps if we're seeking God. 
Now, many of you may remember Alice in Wonderland or Lewis Carroll's book, Alice Through the Looking Glass, that character Tweedledum, who with his twin, character, his twin Tweedledee wears the hats with the propellers on the top. Tweedledum says this, I am very brave generally, only today I happen to have a headache. I think sometimes we have a spiritual headache. We are not always ready to hear what Jesus has to say to us when we ask. I confess I've been there. We face obstacles both to seeking God and to listening well. It takes practice to get past our fears and to open our ears and our hearts to hear Jesus' will. I was talking with an elder in a church. She lost her adopted child to leukemia. And she was telling me about that journey. She spent months and months by Abdullahi's bed in Lurie Children's Hospital. And she said she would wonder to herself, how am I going to make it through this? She said, you see, I would picture myself. I would visualize myself. I'd be climbing mountains of sorrow, scaling the cliffs of difficult decisions, facing all that hardship. And in my head, I was always alone, thinking, how can I handle this? But she said, in the process, as hard as it was, I would learn that Jesus often has a side route that I cannot see, that doesn't go straight up. And Jesus never, ever leaves us alone on the peaks or in the valleys. So God doesn't lead us where or how we expect. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can discern God's path for us as we come to know and seek God more and more. When God guides us, we begin to see God where we least expect. Just as in our story today, God even asked the Israelites to double back and purposefully put themselves in harm's way to trust God to lead them and protect them out of God's goodness. God is helping the Israelites develop that strong trust that will help them in future struggles. God's path and will were made clear to the Israelites because of that pillar of fire and also because of God speaking through Moses. So do I think that we at First Pres can discover the path through and out of transition time? I believe so. So if God doesn't lead how we expect or where we expect, others might wonder where we are going and question us. So that's your second question for today, to turn and buzz. Is there a time when others questioned you and were they right or wrong to do so? Turn and talk to someone. It can be the same person or a new person. Let's talk. All right. I hope your lively conversations need to be continued to hear the end of the story. I bet we all have lots of examples. One that I thought of was that 25 years ago, my high school youth pastor found me again to question my decision to go to seminary, both as a female and because I was going to Princeton Seminary. Were they right or wrong? 25 years later, here I am. 
Now, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Pharaoh was tricked by God into thinking that the Israelites were already lost, that he had them. Yet God was in control. God was leading them even when it didn't seem like it. I appreciate a local pastor named Adele Calhoun. She wrote in the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook this prayer. Lord Christ, take those things the evil one would use to discourage and destroy and turn them to my good, my growth, and your glory. Amen. That's a good prayer to pray when we're in the midst of this. I'll send it out in the e-news this week if you want it. So how do we begin again taking those steps of following Jesus in faith? Well, we can't wait for the perfect circumstance or the perfect opportunity, even when it seems like we're discouraged or something is being destroyed around us. It's encouraging to know it can be tur turned for our growth and God's glory. A pastor reminds us, don't wait for passion to lead you somewhere you're not. Try to bring your passion to where you are. To look at your situation with new eyes because God can use even our current situation and circumstance for God's will and God's purpose, telling us to go for the sake of others. And I'm going to ask you as a congregation to join with me and the committees and councils of the church this session as we begin an initiative of prayer. I'll be introducing this and ask you to join in. Just a simple what we call a breath prayer that's as simple as breathing. You can practice it while you're driving or waiting in line. Just a few words. And those words are as simple as taking a breath and then saying, Lead me, oh God. Lead us. Can we say that together? Lead me, oh God. Lead us. Let's try that. Lead me, oh God. Lead us. I believe that if we are all as a church praying in the same direction, we might be surprised at where God takes us, the messages that God gives us. But as we seek the first answer that pops up is not always God's best for us. We pray for spiritual discovery. We look in the scriptures. We ask others to join in and confirm. We share our stories and struggles with each other, as perhaps you've done today. I also consider that you might want to be bold and ask this question on the screen to a trusted friend. In my movement, am I running away from or am I running towards something rather than seeking out or waiting on God? Where is God leading me? When God guides us, we begin to see God where we least expect. Ignatius of Loyola said the aim of spiritual discovery is finding God in all things in order that we might love and serve God in all. So as our good God leads us and tells us, leads us whether to stop or whether to go, I find that it's often, more often, to go. Maybe not far different distances, maybe even just a few steps or to turn to the next pew and talk to someone new, to follow Jesus actively, to care for those around us. Lead us, O oh God, guide us. Amen. <laughs>